Exceeding Expectations, episode 87. Welcome to the podcast where we give you ideas on how you can get great testimonials and referrals by over-delivering to your customers in such a way that it really wows them. Today's episode is with Hilary Groskopf and she's got a unique background in as a, as a yoga instructor, as delivering courses and working with, with leaders on leadership and, and created something quite unique. She's also written a couple of books. So we're going to hear from Hillary in uh, just a while. Please do subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave, us, leave us a review. Maybe suggest someone that you'd love to hear interviewed in a future episode. Right now, over to Hillary. Exceeding expectations, my guest today, Hilary Groskop. How are you, Hilary? Hi, Tony. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm pretty good, thank you. And uh, you're, what's it? You said you're near San Francisco. Yeah, I'm, I'm just north of San Francisco in Marin County. So we have a nice sunny day here. Yeah, morning. And it's bright and early for you. <laughs> yes, yes, it is the morning, but I'm a morning person. So I like it. <laughs> good timing. And what, what was it that took you, because you said originally you're from Philly, what took you down there? Yeah, originally I'm from Philadelphia, so I grew up there, went to school there and university there, and uh, I worked in Philadelphia for about four years before moving out to California, and I moved out for a job. I, I started my early career in retail and supply chain, and... Um, mm-hmm. Then after working for the first company, I worked for Urban Outfitters Anthropology. I decided it was time for a change. And so I moved out to California to work for Restoration Hardware, still in retail, supply chain and transportation. Mm-hmm. And, and so how has it been since you've been there? I like it a lot. Yeah, the culture in California is great. Um, about three years ago, I started my own company around leadership, coaching and workshops and content. So that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, I love California. Everything from the weather, which I love, the sun and the culture here is is really nice and it's fun. So it's been a good run so far. And and just you just mentioned about starting your own business. And how did that come about? What What led to that? Yeah, so... When I started in the corporate world of retail and supply chain, uh, right after college, I actually was going into my early career as an engineer. My education is in systems engineering, my undergraduate degree and master's degree. So I'm an engineer by education. And so I went into the retail world because I love retail and design, and I also love numbers, I went into the retail world in logistics and transportation and supply chain. And so I started working for Urban Outfitters and Anthropology. And I was a team member, obviously, at those companies. And then I became a project manager, project leader, an analyst, a lot of different roles there, and eventually a leader of an intern and one other team member. And then I moved out to Restoration Hardware, as I said, in California, and I became a leader of a bit larger team with three people that started to grow. And I found that I loved retail, I loved logistics and transportation, but really the hardest part of work that for me, that was almost a fun challenge, but really hard for other people was leadership, leading a team, the people stuff, right? I found that a lot of times the work The work was hard and it was challenging, but a lot of times really the hardest part of work for people was the people stuff, managing people, aligning people, motivating people, and moving a team forward. So I started getting really interested in the leadership side once I became a leader of a larger team. 
and had to grow the team and make progress. So um, I came up with exercises for myself and to do with my team to align my team, to gather the right tools, to motivate my team. And uh, I started to do those with my team on a regular basis. And others started coming to me. Other leaders in the company started coming to me and, and some friends as well, colleagues at other companies and asking, you know, how do you lead your team? It seems like you're a pretty successful leader. So I started teaching other people the exercises and the guidance that I was using and learning through experience. And eventually that turned into my first book, which is called Awake Leadership. It's a system of seven vitals for clarity and creativity in leadership with exercises that I had developed. So that's really how I taught or, or uh, communicated to or shared with others um, my leadership experience and my leadership techniques I was using. And that book just inspired me to break off and start my own you know, leadership consulting business and content business. So that's how it unfolded. And, and when you say that you, know, you, you enjoyed the whole sort of leadership aspect, mm-hmm. were you maybe like sort of in school or you know, when you were much younger, were you naturally lead, finding in yourself sort of in leadership positions, maybe in um, you know, children's organizations or whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I found leadership. I didn't necessarily think of it as leadership at the time, but definitely in school, I was always great at planning and organizing. And whenever mm-hmm. we had group projects, I'd sort of take the lead in terms of delegating to other people, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to do what and who wants to do what, you know, keeping an open mind as to not only what people were good at or what I wanted to do, but other people's interests and including other people being an inclusive leader. So I think in mm-hmm. school, I did act as the leader a lot. And in college as well, with group projects, I could sort of take the lead in terms of organization and communication and delegation um, and reminding people of certain things. So I think definitely in school, mm-hmm. that leadership quality came out. And then uh, when I worked in the corporate world it was more just like prompted that I needed to step Mm. forward and be a leader in that more real world situation Mm. and you mentioned about that the book so how did was that an easy process doing that first book or how was that Oh, yeah, it was definitely a journey. I being an engineer by education, like I said, I I really had little to no uh, formal writing experience since high school. And um, Mm. I started with daily writing, which is one of the exercises in both of my my two books, Um, I found that during college and also early in my career, I really needed to use daily writing or free writing in the morning as a way to center myself and organize my thoughts and prepare for the day. So over Mm -hmm. that five years in my early career, I would write every day, whether it was 20 minutes or an hour in the morning. And even just that free writing helped me to refine my writing and find my voice, I think, as a writer and also as a leader. And so by the time I had to write my first book, it was pretty easy for me to actually write the book because I had been practicing writing even at that you know casual level for the past few years. But putting the book together for the first time as a professional self-published book was really challenging because I had no design experience. There's so much more that comes into it than just writing the book. And I wanted to self-publish because I wanted, you know, more control over the design and just putting it out there to at first my consulting clients. I didn't really want a big publishing gig because I had never written a book before. And I just, I like to have that more intimate experience of really seeing the inner workings of how things work. Like it's, you know, my entrepreneurial style um, to just want, want to see the, the inner workings like that and have closer control over the process. 
But I really mm. learned that design is challenging, marketing is challenging. And after mm. a year, I actually put out a second edition of the two books. Mm. So I published the books in 2017, my, my two books. And then 20, end of 2018, fast forward a year and a half later, I had already worked on a second edition because I gathered feedback and realized, you know, oh, wow, I, there's so much more I could improve on. So I even put out a second edition of both books a year and a half later that have now done really well because I iterated on you know, my learnings from the first, the first round. And so what was the, how long was the gap between those two books, the first two books? Almost a year. So I put out okay. Awake Leadership, the first edition in 2017, and Awake Ethics, which is an ethical system for, for leaders, I put out in early 2018 because I had the idea for the two at the same time. So one 2017, one early 2018. And then that summer of 2018, I really worked on the design and editing of the two books. And by the end of 2018, I published the second editions of both. And doing that process of sort of clarifying your your thoughts into into a book, how has that helped you in your business? Oh, yeah, immensely. I mean, in terms of organizing my thoughts, making a thought flow that's logical, and what I do as a leadership coach and a workshop presenter and a strategist um, and a content curator is really a lot of teaching, right? And I love teaching. I've always been a tutor, whether it's in school or... Um, through tutoring centers in California. I'm a yoga teacher as well. So putting a book together really helped me refine my teaching style that I use in my workshops and as a yoga teacher and as a coach as well. So I think just refining my communication, making things concise, making things clear, and also making them engaging. Mm. And you were talking, when we were talking before, um, you were talking about some, when you worked as as an analyst, you, uh, you got some examples about sort of exceeding expectations. Yeah, I think that was the first time I really learned how to exceed expectations in the real world. My first job as an analyst in logistics and transportation and retail is working at Urban Outfitters. And before that, I had learned in school, you know, you want to exceed expectations of your teacher or your professor by doing the extra credit, submitting things on time, participating in class. But when I, when I transitioned to the corporate world or the real world, you could say, of work, um, as an analyst, at first, I had to learn the basics and just how to do my job, right? How to number crunch, how to present numbers, how to um, deliver things on time. But I found quickly that at work, as a you know very driven self-starter, if I wanted to exceed expectations, there was a lot more I was going to have to learn to do and the willingness to learn to do and to put extra effort in to exceed expectations. Some of those things in the real world at work were the willingness to go beyond my job and just the bare bones of my job and really think large scale, what's the next step the person I'm presenting this analysis to is going to want to know. So not just giving them the answer in a number, but presenting the context of the answer and also maybe thinking next steps of what they might want to know about that. Like if they were asking, oh, should we use this transportation provider or the other transportation provider, giving them that answer in terms of timeliness and cost, but also thinking, oh, would they ask if we should compare it to one or two others they had been also considering? Or should we look at different service levels and break it down by service level? So not doing too much and giving too much information, but thinking a little bit ahead in terms of what else they might want to know. 
And I think the second thing is the presentation of the numbers. I just talked about design in terms of my book, but as an engineer, I was great at crunching numbers, but I found quickly that as an analyst, a lot of times when you're presenting to upper management, you can't just give them a number or a list of numbers. Some are great with numbers and you can do that, but others, you really need to present the information in a way that's digestible. Right. So in a logical order, if you're presenting a succession of numbers and also, like I just mentioned, not giving too much information, like 100 numbers or just a spreadsheet to look at, but turning it into slides or a memo that really makes sense and is digestible for them to understand the answer, or the conclusion you're coming to. And, and what you said at the beginning there, you said in the early days that you had to learn how to how to exceed expectations. Mm-hmm. But what was the, the thought process? What, was it a strategy that that company had that they always tried to, to give a better experience to their customers? Where, where did that thinking come from in the th- first place? Yeah, I think that um, when you work for an organization or a company that's very entrepreneurial or innovative and you're working around other people who are driven and are smart and are passionate about what they're doing, I think exceeding expectations is a lot about coming up with creative solutions, right? How can I go to the next level? How can we be creative about the solution that we're coming up with. So not uh, going back to my choosing the carrier example for, for transportation, which provider you're going to use or which service you're going to use for your customers, not just considering A or B that everyone else is choosing, but could we do a hybrid of A and B, like some service levels or services with A and some services with B, or could we do our own, right? Our own service, or could we? So I think just um, being creative and thinking out of the box when you're working around other people and you have leadership that do that, it's a great example for how to exceed expectations by being a little bit creative, even when you're working in a very corporate setting. Hmm. What, what are the um, what would you say are the misunderstandings people have about what it is you do now? Yeah. So now what I do is I coach leaders and I coach entrepreneurs, especially rising leaders, but also executives. And one thing I found that's a misunderstanding, especially about exceeding expectations, is that a lot of leaders in business think that uh, exceeding expectations is all about either exceeding expectations of your boss or the upper management or exceeding mm-hmm. expectations of the customer. And both of those things are true, but a lot of leaders forget that it's also really essential and almost a foundational to exceed the expectations of your team members. So if you have direct reports, if you're able to exceed the expectations of your team members, that will actually fuel your collective team's progress and impact and help you to exceed the expectations of upper management and customers. So as a leader, when I first started um, leading a team that was a little bit larger, I really found that I needed to focus more on putting effort into exceeding the expectations of my team members um, in order for us to collectively succeed and for me to individually succeed as well as a leader. And how did the team members um, react to that? Is it something that they had in previous jobs? I think a lot of them were pleasantly surprised. I mean, in terms of a few examples, I think I found that I could exceed their expectations by paying a little bit more attention, right? Something super simple and basic is scheduling a one-on-one touch-based meeting each week and actually follow through 
with showing up for that and asking them how I could support them if they had any questions and even mentoring them a little bit. Because a lot of leaders, you know, they think, oh, I'm only going to have this meeting with my team member or my direct report if it's absolutely necessary and I have something to tell them or I have something to ask them. But team members really need that time with the leader, as I had found as a team member, to learn, Mm -hmm. to ask questions, to, you know, start to to learn the skills they need for the next level and and, uh, communicate support needs that they have. So I think paying extra Mm -hmm. attention and actually following through with giving them support is important. Another one was Mm -hmm. giving them opportunities. So I looked out for opportunities I had to give them special projects, to teach them new skills, to give them opportunities like going to a conference or going to a course. Because I think a lot of leaders don't think about how can I give opportunities. I talk about a principle called non-stealing in my Awake Ethics book. That's one of the the ethical principles in my second book. And non-stealing isn't just about not stealing material things from other people, but it's about not stealing acknowledgement and opportunities from others. So it's ethical because if you're able to acknowledge, right, give acknowledgement to your team members in the form of a thank you or some kind of positive acknowledgement and also give them opportunities to grow, you can really exceed their expectations. And that provides positive motivation and also strengthens their skill set so they can help you succeed. And then you, you talked about you know, that example from the book. Mm-hmm. In how have you used the book? There's, do you often sort of um, when you've got a potential customer, are you like sort of send them a, a copy um, to sort of show them examples of some of the things you can do? Um, is it? I mean, are you sort of speaking at conferences and stuff as well? Yeah. So whenever I start with a coaching client, whether it's for career development or it's for leadership coaching, yeah, I do send them a copy of both of my books because we use a lot of those exercises and I sort of diagnose, you know, as like leadership medicine, right? The different exercises that they really need based on their goals and what they need right now as a leader in order to make the progress that they're trying to make. So I definitely use the exercises from my books. And then the workshops and the presentations that I do in organizations and at conferences are all based on the exercises in my books and different techniques that I use. And so do you get a lot of work from speaking at those sort of events? Yeah, I mean, right now, it's very interesting the time that we're in when everything's sort of shifting to online. I did have some events that were planned for uh, this spring and this summer that are obviously on hold or they're, they're postponed. But I do um, some online workshops right now. I'm doing a free series online for leaders with a few different topics. The last session's actually happening tomorrow. And then I'm going to be releasing this summer and fall some other online offerings that are based on my workshops about mind mapping, which is a visual technique for aligning a team, either remotely or in person, and and better delegating, so team alignment and delegation. Also, um, creative team building. That's one of my workshops that I'm going to try to turn into an online course as well. So yeah, I do get a lot of interest in the workshops and the events. And right now, especially um, on the online side of things. And well, I'm just, I was fascinated then when you talked about mind mapping, because I've always been quite uh, interested in mind mapping. So what is it a course you're going to be offering that is about how leadership, how you can use mind mapping in leadership? 
Yes, exactly. So my mind mapping workshop, I do an introduction to mind mapping, you know, for anyone that's new and just my my take on how to make a mind map, which for some people that are familiar with concept mapping, it's very similar, but it's basically a visual diagram for organizing and articulating information. And it's great for collaboration because it's almost like making a collective team brain, right? You can write all your tasks. One of the techniques that I teach, one of the three techniques I teach in my workshop is role mapping. So using mind mapping to um, clarify and organize the scope of your role. So it's a specific template that I teach with a technique for mapping out your role or your position within your team and your responsibilities, your projects, your key performance indicators. So role mapping is one of the techniques I teach. I also teach project mapping. I teach brainstorming using mind mapping. And I teach team vision mapping. So how to map out your team's vision and delegate using mind mapping. I mean, what typically are your... What are the clients? Who is it you're working with? What kind of people? Yeah, my audience really ranges. It ranges from everyone to rising leaders who want coaching both in terms of career and also leadership. Like, is it right for me to become a leader of a team within a large organization? Or do I more want to be an entrepreneur and build my own thing? Or is it a combination of both? So rising leaders definitely that have just stepped into a leadership position and want to know how do I take the lead and achieve success or exceed expectations at work as a leader and not just as an independent contributor. And then I also work with a lot of higher level executives and uh, chief chief level people as well that are just looking to grow a team and also work with different generations of young leaders and different different ages of people in a company and move their organization forward. So a lot of startup leaders, founders, and, and executives. I guess it's quite different working with those two different groups. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a different mindset, but it helps me to... Um, I think cultivate different perspective because I've had a lot of different perspectives and having many different jobs throughout my short but deep career so far. But I think working with those different ages and people at different stages in their career and different mindsets helps me to communicate that to my different audiences, you know, knowing the perspective and the mindset of a very young leader and what their motivation is and their interests are helps me to communicate that at a general, a general level to someone that's more of a founder or a CEO that's wondering how do I motivate and how do I help younger leaders in my company. So working with these different audiences helps me to develop that empathy that I can communicate and help the, the people of other levels to really understand and learn. Near the start of the episode, you, you mentioned about that you also do some, um, was it a, you're a yoga coach, I think you said? Yes, I'm a yoga teacher as well. <laughs> and so how has your, have, has your leadership skills helped in any way in, in the yoga that you do? Yes, I think they, they both inform each other. I think from being a yoga teacher and learning yoga philosophy, that's actually one of the ways it's helped me to exceed expectations at work and as a leader because yoga and yoga philosophy um, greatly influenced my books, especially in terms of the ethical system that I write about in my second book Um, because yoga philosophy has a rich ethical system called the yamas and niyamas, and that's actually what my second book is based on. And when I was learning Mm -hmm. that yoga system of ethics, Um, early on in my career, I thought, wow, 
this ethical system isn't just something I'll use in my life and as a yogi or a yoga teacher, but it's really something that I could use at work as well as a leader. And like I talked about with that principle of non-stealing, um, that principle, as well as many others, like truthfulness, control of energy, non-attachment, these are all things that I learned from yoga philosophy, but I really used in my work as a leader to exceed expectations of my team members, right, in, in, our, in our relationships, relationship building with others and with myself to feel better at work, to be more productive and achieve more success. So I think yoga has definitely influenced my leadership style as a leader in the corporate world and as a leader of my own company now. So I'm definitely a yogi and uh, leadership in my corporate experience has helped me as a yoga teacher because it's helped me to relate to different kinds of people, you know, working in a real world work environment with so many different kinds of people in a few different industries has helped me to relate to different kinds of people and really understand what they need when they're looking for a yoga practice that supports their lifestyle. And what was it that made you um, decide to pursue becoming a, a yoga teacher in the first place? Yeah, it was that early time when I was in engineering school and after my first year of engineering school was tough. I came from an all-girls high school that was a little bit more on the liberal arts side, but I was really good at science and math and I was interested in systems engineering because I like systems and organizing and planning and optimizing and number models. But that first year of engineering school at a large co-ed uh, university was very challenging and the second half of that year, I was just looking for a way to get off campus and do something different, you know, a little bit more calmer energy, I think intuitively was what I was looking for. And I came across a Groupon uh, in my inbox for, I think it was something crazy, like five or 10 yoga classes for $20. And so I did it. And I walked across the bridge into Philadelphia, into the city that was Saturday morning. And I took my first yoga class. And I just loved it. Yeah, it was a great way to get off campus and just reconnect with my body and really calmed my mind through the movement. And I felt just so much more aligned and energetic. And I was able to let go of some of the, the stress I think I had put on myself. And by finding that, that ease, I was actually more able to exceed my own expectations than by putting so much stress, stress and pressure on myself. So yoga was really a great balance that allowed me to, to find, you know, a balance of effort and ease in my life to move forward. And when you, I mean, you talk about the um, teaching people with yoga and, and leading people and helping people with leadership, mm -hmm. is it, have you always had a, a thing about just sort of trying to help people get, get further along in, in whatever it is they want to do? Yeah, I think my passion is really professional development and personal growth and the intersection of those two things, right? I think that a lot of people are finding now that our professional life influences our personal life so much and our personal life influences our professional life so much. They're really interconnected. It's not as much about work-life balance as it is kind of work-life integration. You know, I definitely keep my work hours separate from my personal hours, but the two definitely interrelate. So I think that I try to help people find that balance, find work that they really love, and also a lifestyle that supports the work and work that supports the lifestyle that they like. So yeah, exactly. It's about finding balance and helping people to progress in an authentic way and make progress um, in a way that they really enjoy to, yes, exceed their own expectations for you know, their own potential and what they're able to achieve. Mm. 
And what, and what does the phrase mean to you, um, exceeding expectations? What, what, do you, what comes to mind when you think of it? Exceeding expectations. Yeah, I think it means to me going beyond what is believed to be possible or what is believed to be delivered. So, yeah, I think to me it just really means going beyond it in the simplest form. Okay. Before we sort of touched upon your, your books before, mm-hmm. are you um, are you going to be doing a, a new one? Are you working on another one? Yes, I'm working on the next one, which will is on schedule to be out in September. I'm in edit mode right now. So September 2020, it should be out. It's called Awake Apprentice. And this one is focused on career development. So my first book, Awake Leadership, is really like a start guide for leading a team. So it's very action-oriented in terms of seven vitals for leading a team with exercises. My second book, Awake Mm -hmm. Ethics, is a little bit more of a personal development book on how do I become an ethical leader and an ethical person and align my actions with my intentions in my work and in my Mm -hmm. life. And then this third Mm -hmm. one, I'm branching out into career development. So this one will have six chapters, and it's all about how to embark on your career path or your career process in a mindful and intentional way um, that is also a little bit creative. So yeah, it's, it's in edit mode right now. So I'm excited to put it out this fall. And I guess from, from doing the first two books, you've, you've, you've made all the mistakes in those first two books. So it's much, the process is much easier now, I, I presume. Yeah, the process is always, it's always its own process, I find. This one, I I wrote a really quick first draft. Yeah, it really came to me pretty easily. I'm from being a systems engineer, I'm a systems thinker. So the organization for the book and the format comes to me pretty easily in terms of the system or the, the organization that I want to develop. And then I fill in with the writing. This one's been a little bit longer in edit mode because I've been trying to des- decide on the specific exercises I want to offer and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think I think it definitely does get easier as you go. And as you develop a little audience that likes your work, people get more excited about it. And I think that that provides some good motivation as well. And, and you talked there about the audience. Is it, are all three books aimed at a similar audience or is it aimed at different, different types of people? I think it's, more than like an age group or a certain role or a certain point in career, I think it's really aimed at an audience that's seeking how to develop and how to be more awake or aware in their leadership and in their career. So really at any point, whether you're just what comes to mind first is people embarking on a leadership experience or on a career experience, that's that's definitely an audience that it applies to or someone looking for a change or a transition in their career or their leadership experience. But I really think anyone that's seeking to improve, both self-improvement and professional improvement, um, could benefit from the books. And are they available at sort of Amazon and such places? Yeah, they're available on Amazon in print and on Kindle and also available through a few different indie bookstores. So on my website, awakeleadershipsolutions.com, I have pages for both of the books, which you can find under guidebooks. And then I have about seven or eight different sources where you can buy them. I have my own store and then there's some indie bookstores as well that sell them and you can order online or find them in the store. 
And other than, apart from the books, how can people find out more about you and like sort of social media and so on? Yeah. So awakeleadershipsolutions.com, as I mentioned, is my website and there's more about me. There's more about the books and my workshops. There's a free resource library there as well. And um, on social media, I mostly use LinkedIn. So Hillary Jane Groskopf or my uh, company name is on LinkedIn as well as Instagram. So those are the main two social platforms I'm on. Okay. And what is, I believe there's a book that you recommend to people often. Yes. My favorite book is How Can I Help by Ram Dass. So it's definitely about service in the working world. And it has a little bit of a spiritual uh, lens or perspective on it. Because Ram Dass is also coming from the spiritual sort of uh, yoga world or, or perspective on things. But it, But How Can I Help is a great book for anyone that's, you know, looking to sort of elevate their service in in the working world and sort of connect to the impact that they want to make when, when was it that you first read that I think I first read it it might have been when I just moved to California it might have been just five years ago so pretty recently as far as you know I have a bookshelf behind me with about 200 books on it <laughs> you can tell you become a writer once you've read like you know a book every week which probably started for me like in college but um, yeah, so how can I help? About five years ago, when I moved to California, one of my yoga teachers uh, made me aware of the book, but it's had a really deep impact on me since then, and I recommend it to everyone. Hmm. And, and finally, Hilary, what is, um, I believe you've got a quotation that, that you quite like. Yes, that definitely relates to exceeding expectations. Under promise, over deliver. I learned that from one of my first leaders in the corporate world when I was an analyst and it definitely drove, you know, it meant a lot to me because I always tried to, I think, be a little hasty in terms of setting expectations for myself very high, like promise something, promising something in a very short time or promising I could do a whole lot. You know, my eyes were larger than than my stomach or what I could actually do at work. And one of my first leaders told me, you know, it's better to under promise and over deliver. So be realistic. You don't have to under promise, like make crazy timelines that are super long for yourself or, or promise that you can barely do anything. But I think under promise more means set a realistic expectation by knowing yourself and what you can do. And then have an idea of how you could over deliver by doing some of those things I talked about earlier in our conversation and definitely meeting expectations. But if you under promise or realistically promise, you'll be more able to over deliver and delight. Hilary, thank you very much for your stories and for the information you shared with the listeners. Thanks so much for having me on, Tony. It was really a great conversation. Thank you. Next week is episode 88 with Chantal Cornelius. And she's going to give us a lot of ideas about marketing and really how we can excel in marketing. Um, one of the things she talks about is using her ABC of marketing. And she loves watching the difference in people when they realize that they can do marketing without getting confused or spending a fortune. So that's next week's episode with Chantel Cornelius. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with someone who you feel may get some, some real um, benefits from some of the things that Hillary shared with us today. Leave a review and hope you have a great week.